might be a Viking or a Saxon or a Roman, but tell me, do you like them? Would you sex them? Would you bone them? Would you go to bed with King Ethelred? Would you bunk William the Conqueror up in the sheets with Samuel Pepys? Mussolini was a meanie, led a fascist insurrection, but does he make you creamy? Does he give you an erection? Would you pork Richard the Duke of York? Does a boner start when you think of Bonaparte? Are you sexually aroused at the thought of Pol Pot? Historical hot or not? Hello and welcome to Historical Hot or Not, the only history podcast that looks at the life and times of history's most celebrated figures and asks, yes, but would you? It's the pod parchment that puts the ass in Pythagoras, the bang in Emperor Lu Bang Gao Zhu, and puts the finger blast in 1906 Tunguska Blast. I am your co-host, Aidan McCaffrey. I am not a historian, and this is... Catherine Mather, who is also not a historian. But we are comedians, and we are horny for history. Kath, was Liz One, a.k.a. Elizabeth I, really the Virgin Queen, and why was Richard Branson unsuccessful in sponsoring subsequent monarchs? I mean, definitely not virgin. If you were the queen, you had all the power, you'd be fucking everyone, wouldn't you? You could just coerce people into it. You'd be like, I'll kill you if you don't fuck me. If I was a monarch, I'd be, you know, ordering cunnilingus by uh, <laughs> royal decree. Exactly. You'd be getting your pussy eaten all day, every day. Exactly, by sad subjects. <laughs> toothless plebs. <laughs> yeah, by toothless plebs who do not have dental care, but are mm. desperate to please their queen. But to be fair, you also wouldn't have dental care. Because didn't her face fall off because she kept putting lead on it? Something like that. I know she reportedly had terrible teeth. They all did, though. Because toothbrushes didn't exist. Colgate triple action didn't exist back then. But unfortunately, sugar did. It's not like how nature sometimes provides its own antidote to the bad thing. You know how like you always find dock leaves growing near nettles? Yeah. It's not like next to a sugarcane tree... Is that what they're called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they're called. Yeah, it's not like next to a sugarcane tree, you've got a um, a sensodyne bush. A flossing station. A plant where you can just pull the floss out and, and, and floss your teeth. Streams flowing with oral be mouthwash. Although, uh, if I was... No, that's a horrible joke to make, I won't do it. <laughs> Something uh, about streams of oral if I was going to be the queen. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound wrong. It just sounds hard to visualise, like streams of all. <laughs> unless you, oh, unless you're going into the bukkake realm. Yeah, all the parts are there. I'm just going to let the audience put it together. They're clever people. Historical documents suggest Elizabeth I wasn't into bukkake. That's more of an Elizabeth II thing. Which is why the platitudes was so good. <laughs> I noticed that she had one man for every year she's been on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> Just 75 beef eaters all lined up. <laughs> Would you like to see your wife get um, <laughs> fucked by 72 uh, infantrymen? <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know why I'm shocked that that's where you took it. Like Talking about queens, some of them who have been dead for 500 years in the abstract, <laughs> and you went straight for the wife. Well, I did. You know, we're talking about jealousy here, and true. you can only do it if it. You can only fully understand it if it's close to home. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I'd like to see your sister fucked by seventy-two. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would too, to be honest. Hey. 
I'm worried that your sister's becoming too... I've mentioned about three times on this podcast now. <laughs> I'm concerned she's becoming too much of a recurring character. She'll be delighted. Yeah, she'll be delighted that we suggested she, she'd like to have 72 men consecutively fuck her. <laughs> Only if she wants to. As long as it's consensual. We are a sex-positive podcast here. Yeah, we are against... Um... We're against rape on this podcast. It shouldn't need saying, but... Speak. Speak for yourself. No, no, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, we joke, but a lot of people listening to this won't have the context of knowing us as people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's episode five. I can only hope uh, they'll give us the benefit of the doubt based on the first four episodes. Although, actually, there's probably stuff in there. I'm pretty sure in episode three you said... You've never dated a disabled person. I'm sure I've been accused of being a fascist. I insinuated one or both of us had HIV at one point. This is a six-part series, and we're fully hoping to have our comedy careers Mm cancelled well before we even get to episode six. I think we're well on our way. No, my plan is to be so awful that I can get on the specialist gigs that only seem to employ <laughs> uh, wrongans. Or, or the, the sort of free speech bro, I've been cancelled podcast circuit. Mm. Yeah, I think it'd really boost my career if I was to get cancelled. So that's the dream. We're not even the best two comedians on this podcast. What? Because both David Eagle, who did the music, and Richard mm. Todd, who did the artwork, are both a lot funnier than us. And when you're not even yeah. the funniest, one of the two funniest comedians on your own podcast, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> well, you know, you're right there, actually. <laughs> Historical hot or not. Kath. Yeah. Do you want to open up your Eve Troth app? I fucking do. I've never got it shut. <laughs> like your legs. Oh, please get it out of the gutter. <laughs> We're getting into the gutter into the sewage system <laughs> underneath the gutter. We're going to burrow into some millennia-old... Uh, <laughs> yes, a millennia-old dinosaur minge. Yeah, so the deal is uh, we have invented an app called eTrust, uh, on which, uh, the, I was going to say elderly. Um, they're not elderly because they're pretty much all dead. Um, historical figures, uh, they, they try and sell their wares. And by their wares, I mean their genitals. Uh, we have a little look through E-Trust. I'll find some gentlemen for Aiden. No, I'll find some ladies for Aiden. Aiden, I'll find some gentlemen for me. We take it in turns to, to, to propose a historical figure to each other. We have been doing it in the most gender-normative way possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, we could mix it up. I sometimes see women and think, oh, I, I'd quite like her to be on the podcast. So maybe I should just bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, yeah, I'd fuck a woman for the podcast. There's nothing you wouldn't fuck for this podcast. <laughs> well, you, you're not wrong. Or indeed, your own gratification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've got the, uh, I've got the the e-trolled app open here. You sent me a picture. So, Kath, this is Joe or Joseph. Uh-huh. He's 48 and he's from Vienna. Mm, okay. Well, he. Uh, this is a painting, uh, which can be modified, but then I guess so can a photograph. It is what it is. Uh, he. Uh, it's got a receding hairline, but I would also say that does appear to be a wig, like one of them white powdery wigs, which must have fucking stank, mustn't they? Surely they'd smell, if they're, t- if, if they're powdered, surely they'd smell nice. Surely they'd smell like 
Imperial leather talcum powder. You don't know what they're powdering them with, though, do you? It's the old times. It's probably horse shit or something, wasn't it? <laughs> horse shit and the uh, tears of oppressed serfs. Yeah, uh, who had to shave their hair off to make the wig, probably. In the first place, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the, the powdered wig look, but it might come back round, so uh, not entirely against it. He's got quite a long face. He's got, to be honest, if I was painting him, I wouldn't have included that second chin. <laughs> but hats off to the painter for keeping it true to life. He's got like the Roman nose and his lips are quite thin. So I'll say yes to the nose, but no to the lips. Overall, I guess I could sling it in me, but I wouldn't want to. <laughs> nice little insight into how Cat's <laughs> mind works. When she's on a dating app, yes to the nose, no to the mouth, yes to the left eye, no to the right eye, and I'm com- left in complete indecision as whether to swipe right on this person. Yeah. Are, are you yay or nay so far? Again, as I say, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I'm not, I'm not attracted to him physically, I'll be honest, but I think that, you know, there's a lot more to a person than just... Uh, looks isn't there so if he's got a good personality he's still in with a chance i think you might be in for a treat with this with this guy so we are looking at joseph ii of austria okay is he from money (laughs) i just just realized i've sort of left out all the details of his birth from (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what year he's born ah he's born around 1750 or something who cares yeah i'll fucking know they've got google good listeners they can work it out i mean i'm literally going to google now (laughs) this is from wikipedia joseph was born in the midst of the early upheavals of the war of austrian succession is that like the tv series yeah it was he was born halfway through the last season of succession Uh, um he was born in 1741 joseph benedict anthony michael adam hang on who's his dad i really should know all this I love how, because like some comedians write on stage, you know, they'll they'll uh, work through their material in front of a live audience. And I like that Aidan has decided to just work through the history of this podcast <laughs> while it's recording. Don't worry about it, man. Exactly. I'm not even going to edit this stuff out. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to make my sound look self sound completely inept. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, his dad was Francis I, Holy Roman Emperor. So I guess he was born into money. He was born into power. Yeah. Okay, he's got the money, he's got the power, he's got the status. I'm back on board. He got married to a woman called Isabel. She fell ill with smallpox and went into premature labour, dying after the birth of their second child, Maria Christina. Joseph was gutted and he was reluctant to remarry. He ultimately entered a political marriage. What marriage isn't? Eh. That's what I married. I married an Australian. So if Australia is invaded, I have to go and fight... And if Otley in Yorkshire is invaded, she has to fight. Yeah. That's, that's the agreement we reached. You get to go and kill her dad if you're at war against Australia. And then that's the only reason Putin hasn't invaded Australia yet. Because mm-hmm. he knows he'd have to deal with the A-dog if he does. Yeah. <laughs> he married his cousin, who didn't. Oh, God, it sounds like back home. He married his cousin daughter of Charles the Seventh, Holy Roman Emperor. The marriage was shite. Two years into the marriage, she grew ill and died from smallpox. Um, I suspect this was just common at the time and not that Joe just had a few vials of it spare yeah, in case he... he got bored of a relationship. So he got a dick made of smallpox or something? <laughs> no, I, but I think he will, once he's decided he's bored, he'll just get a little paintbrush out 
dip it into the smallpox vial, splash a bit on the old urethra, mm-hmm. and uh, let nature take its course. But how's he not getting smallpox? I suspect the strength of the ejaculate uh, pushes it all into her. That's just science. Do you know some people are just too cowardly to say they've fallen out of love? He's one of those guys. Yeah. He could just say, let's see other people. Instead, he makes them a cuppa, no milk, two sugars, and one very potent germ sitting on the edge, <laughs> edge of the cup rim. Aww. Joseph never remarried. In 77, Joseph's only surviving child, Maria Theresa, became ill with pleurisy and died, double-gutted. The loss of his daughter was deeply traumatic and left him grief-stricken and scarred. Kath, we've been here before. Do you want a project? Hell no. I've done enough projects. For a lifetime. But also, like, how hard must it have been in the old times when literally everybody that you knew, cared about, didn't care about, loved or hated would just die just all the time? Particularly if you had, like, ten children and eight of them died. Can you imagine, like, one child dying really is enough. That's... That is not a thing that you ever want to happen. Depends which one. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's the arsehole one, fair dues. But good God, like, imagine feeling that grief for everybody and then and then your wife as well because she died in childbirth because the doctor didn't wash his goddamn hands. <laughs> but that's why, you, uh, that's why you had ten children, though. So you had mm. spares. Yeah, so that, like, two would live. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, we've all got a spare charger. Yeah. And uh, that's what kids are. They just like spare chargers. Yeah. I love in this story how it's like, his only surviving child also died. Yep, they're all dead. Everybody's dead. <laughs> Everybody is dead, Dave. It's a fucking bloodbath. It's a, it's a bloodbath. It's a puss bath. Mm. Everybody's dying left, right and centre. So, Kath, you don't want a project? No. That's fine. I don't want a project. I mean, the only project I want is uh, how to build Tracy Island, not mm. how to repair a lover who has been grieving for about three different people for about ten years. Yeah. It's like Queen Victoria the First, uh Queen Vicky One. She spent decades grieving. And there, yeah. there there comes a point when you're just like, Come on, love, it's been forty years. Put on some lippy, get yourself on bumble. Yeah, get over it. God, it was just the love of your life. I tell you, I once saw uh, Anne Widdicombe and she was talking about why she thinks you shouldn't make jokes about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And her logic was Catholics or Christians, I can't remember what she said are in a constant state of grieving for the wow. loss of Christ. Did they even fucking know him? Yeah, one, you don't know him. And that's such a big thing to put on all society mm. for someone who died 2,000 years before you were even born. Yeah, you were just some stranger at the time. It's not like I was a Catholic. It's not like you study the life of Christ. And then when you're 18, the priest turns around and says, I've got some bad news. You're sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus has died. What? No! <laughs> it was two, two millennia ago. But yet, no, he was found guilty of a crime and they nailed him to a cross. Catholicism is very much rubbing Christ's death in your face from day one. Yeah, because I've been in a church, right? And I think it would be a real spoiler, given that there's so many depictions of a dead man on a cross. They'd be like, "What? what's that? Oh, nothing, nothing. I don't want to spoil the end of the book for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. I was going to try and make a joke about a different religion and say, it would be like in Islam if... But then I realised I know so little about any other religion. <laughs> I couldn't even pull a joke out of it. I suppose it would be like if uh, all the DVDs of The Sixth Sense just had an image of Bruce Willis as a ghost on the front cover. Was he a ghost? Have you not seen it? No, I've never seen it. I mean, that is a spoiler alert <laughs> for a film that came out 
two and a half decades ago, Kath. So I think you cannot believe you were doing. We'll have to put a spoiler warning. Well, for both top. for both his sixth sense and all Catholicism. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> After the death of his father in 1765, he became emperor and was made co-regent by his mother in the Austrian dominions. Is that a red flag for you, Kath? If you went on a date and the guy was like, uh, I, I co-run a business with my mum, would you be like, up for that? Or were you thinking, red flag, his mum's always going to be there? I'd see that probably as a bit of a red flag. I think that um, mums seem particularly clingy to their sons don't they yes so for example if you are going to your boyfriend's mum's birthday and you don't buy a card and a present and then let him sign the card and the present and he says he's going to give you the money back but he never does if you don't do that then you're an asshole for not taking a card and gift to his mum he's not the asshole for forgetting his mum's birthday and I feel like that's that would be very much the vibe here. You know, she would always... He could do no wrong and you'd be a, a cunt all the time. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be in a relationship where just every time you say, shall we do it, I'll just have to run it by my mum. Even if it's his business partner, it just sends creepy vibes. Unless you really got on with his mum. Like, I think if you were friends with his mum beforehand... Or if he came to the first date with his mum. And 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 you realise she's yeah. top. She's great. I want him to yeah, bring it to all the days. She just sat at the end of the bed reading a book whilst we <laughs> well, we yeah. went down on each other. Feel sorted, lass. Uh, you've just described uh, my first three dates with my wife. So anyway, Aww. there is a plus side to this actually with okay. this Joseph thing. Joseph induced his mother into religious toleration, which she hated. She hated religion. She didn't just hate other religions. She hated the concept of tolerating other religions. <laughs> but he threatened to resign. He said, Mummy, if you don't do this, if you don't like the Jews, I'm going to quit. That's quite cool. So this isn't just a guy who's enthralled to his mother. He knows what he wants. He's got opinions. And he's quite happy to force them on her. Yeah. And step down from his job that he inherited. This bit's funny. Joe got on well with Frederick the Great until Fred fell ill. At which point, Joe assembled an army in Bohemia with the intent of marching into Prussia and demanding the region of Silesia. Fred recovered <laughs> and unfriended Joe. <laughs> Which I just think, why did he just wait until he was dead? Mm. It's that is so inept. Frederick the Great wakes up and says, "What's that? Is that, is that ten of your battalions lined up on the Austro-Prussian border?" Just wait until I die. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, uh, Fred, they're just having a stroll. What, in my direction? With mortar cannons? We just came to see how you were doing. Yeah, I just I just brought these guys along in case Russia attacked us on the way. Oh, do you want some grapes? We brought you some grapes. <laughs> Those grapes look like cannonballs. No, no, they're grapes. They're definitely grapes. They're mm-hmm. just really, really big ones from Africa. Very heavy. So Fred unfriended and probably blocked Joe on Twitter. The two nearly went to war over the issue of Bavarian succession, but there was a negotiated peace, partly because Catherine the Great sided Russia with Germany, which neutralised the Austrian threat. Downside, though, thousands of soldiers died from disease and starvation, earning the conflict a potato war. Now, the potato war is a less glamorous name than the War of Bavarian Succession, mainly because it sounds like all of the soldiers are armed with spud guns, <laughs> which... Uh, 
would be the only type of warfare I endorse, aside from pump-action super-soaker warfare, which I believe was the main weapon of choice in the later Napoleonic Wars. If someone was to come to you and be like, do you want to fight in the War of Bavarian Succession? Or someone came up to you and went, would you like to fight in the Potato War? Which one would you choose? Before they even finished the sentence, I'd have my spud gun <laughs> buried <laughs> in the ass <laughs> of a nice jacket. Yeah. Withdrawing all that starchy goodness mm-hmm. like a doctor taking a blood sample. Yeah. And be going, just tell me who to point it at. <laughs> Catching potatoes in your mouth as they're getting shot at you. Yeah. <laughs> like a fucking dog. <laughs> On my birthday in 1780, Maria Theresa died and Joseph was free to engage more fully in his ideal of enlightened despotism. If you're the next monarch, how soon after the death of your mum, Kath, would you wait before sending in your school measurements for the crown? Oh, goodness. I mean, I'd assume that that would be a thing that you'd already sort of have in the pipeline. Because particularly at that time, it's not like death was a surprise. As you were just saying a few minutes ago, mm. just everyone's dying left, right and centre at all ages. So that I feel fairly confident when I wake up of a morning that I will be alive to get back into my bed at night. Not on your diet, Kath. <laughs> Not with the life I lead. Um, <laughs> but Not with the life of stress and fried veg <laughs> that you told me about. Uh, yeah. And all the unprotected sex you have. Let's not forget that. There's all sorts of shit going on. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, that's great, though. <laughs> I like that my image is being cultivated as that of a player because I do not have the social skills for that at all but um, I'll take it I feel like they they would have something prepared I would if I was a monarch and I was well I I mean I guess my age now almost 30 particularly in those times I would be elderly you would have a plan right you would have the dimensions of the crown for your son's deaf little head because it's just, like, you know Charles is so itching for that throne. Mm, he's already got a hat made. But I still think Charles, for example, has to tread a fine line between grief and showing how enthusiastic he is to get those two ass cheeks on that on that throne. Because mm. there's always a risk five minutes after Liz 2 has gone. He could be like, I'd like my throne to have two cushions on it. No more, you can have too many. And here's the colour scheme I want for the master bedroom at Sandringham. That's mauve, not lilac. If I get there and it's lilac, I'm going to be pissed mm-hmm. and get those fucking corgis out of my sight. I'm a fucking cat man. He has to wait a few days before he starts redesigning the interior. Yeah, make an arrangement. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be Joe 2 on the border of Germany. <laughs> While his friend is seemingly dying, going, any moment now, lads. Yeah, we're just waiting for that twat to croak. What do you mean he's fucking woke up? Fuck! <laughs> the reason I chose Joe Two of Austria, Kath, has always been quite interested in the idea of benign dictators, right. enlightened monarchs. Mm-hmm. Like, too often I'll be trying to pick a suitor for you for this podcast. Yeah. I'll be going through it. And I'll be like, this person seems great. They treat their people well. They lack controversy. They they educated the children of the nation. Mm -hmm. And then you just get to a bit where it's like, and then they expelled 10,000 Jews from the capital. (laughs) And you're like, ah, it's going so well. That ominous thing on Wikipedia where you suddenly hit just a bold subheading that says anti-Semitism. 
which mm-hmm. is never followed by they weren't an anti-Semite. Yeah, they were very against it, actually, and provided a refuge for people in need. Yeah, if they've put the HTML code to make the word anti-Semitism bold, you know there's some bad shit coming. Yeah, when you scroll down to the heading controversies, you're like, oh, <laughs> but you're doing so well. Yeah, it never says free of controversy. Yeah. It never says, as it happens, this person was a white knight. <laughs> <laughs> They're always very much a black knight with a couple of pogroms to their name. Mm-hmm. So, he, he is an enlightened monarch. We've got a taste of this already. He, tried, he, he forced his mum successfully into religious moderation. Mm-hmm. He believed in the rule of reason, but as an absolute ruler, it was very much based on his wisdom. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for the people of the time, his reason was pretty good by modern standards. His list of good shit that Joe too did. He made elementary education compulsory for all boys and girls. Wow. He secularised church lands. He abolished serfdom. He abolished the death penalty. This is in the 18th century. That's wild. I know. He lightened censorship for the press and theatre. He established a civil code which applied to all Austrians equally. He created scholarships for talented poor students and allowed the establishment of schools for Jews and other religious minorities. He centralised medical care in Vienna, which although caused problems in the short term, such as epidemics and death spikes, the city then became preeminent as a medical field for the next century. Mm-hmm. So I think initially just whacking them all in the same location just meant they, the disease just spread to all these people quicker. But in the long run, it actually helped people understand these things. That's fucking great, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? How forward thinking. What's not to like about him, apart from his horrible powdered wig? <laughs> well, the only thing I can think of that's negative so far is because he lined all those troops up, a lot of troops did die due to poor conditions. Yeah. That's that little one blemish that I found. Anyway. Yeah, and he kept spunking smallpox into his wives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a, a comic aside of mine, but uh, <laughs> it's suspicious that every time he fell out with his wife, they died of smallpox. Mm. So. In 1789, he decreed that peasants must be paid in cash payments rather than labour obligations. Another cool thing that he did... These policies were violently rejected by both the nobility and the peasants because their barter system didn't have any cash in it, (laughs) which is quite an oversight. It would be like if the UK Prime Minister decreed we had to pay each other in unicorn horns. (laughs) You know, it might sound nice, but, you know, you're essentially saying we should all pay each other with a fictional thing that doesn't exist. Of course... You might argue that Brexit, which is currently withering the UK economy, the pound is worth the same as unicorn horns. And that sound is the sound of the satire siren. And it goes (laughs) off in my house once a week when I make a top-end political jab at the man, capital T, capital M. It just shows how far removed the nobility are, aren't they? Because it sounds good, like cash payments only. I love getting paid cash in hand because then you don't have to piss around with invoices. But if you are... Um, and you're a famous tax dodger as well, Kath, aren't you? I am, yeah. Those things combined make it perfect for me. But I can understand why, if you don't use cash, if cash is not a thing that is in your world, and then some guy's just like, yeah, we're, we're only going to be using Bitcoin from now on. <laughs> the fuck? How am I going to pay my rent in Bitcoin? Because there's no cash in the system. It's a bit like you say someone saying, all cash payments from now on will be contactless. But you're saying this in like 1938. <laughs> what do you mean contactless? Where's the money? <laughs> Just go and figure it out. Don't let me catch you spending any coins. You'll be right. Don't worry, lad. It's almost a noble thing. But rich people hate it and poor people hate <laughs> it. If even the people he was trying to help are like, 
no, this doesn't work. I think I'd rather just owe him a thatching job. Yeah, but good God, he's trying. He's trying. Under Joe II, the church's ecclesiastical tribunals were abolished and marriage was defined as a civil contract outside the jurisdiction of the church. His the secularisation degree banned several monistic orders not involved in teaching or healing. According to Wikipedia, Joseph's feelings towards religion are reflected in a witticism he once spoke in Paris. While being given a tour of the Sorbonne's library, the archivist took Joseph to a dark room containing religious documents and lamented the lack of light which prevented Joseph from being able to read them. Joseph replied, Ah, when it comes to theology, there is never much light. Mic drop. Take that. All faiths. Uh... Christianity. Islam. Judaism. You've just been burnt. I mean, now you have scientific reasons for things happening. So you can go, well, it isn't God that made the sunrise. It's whatever the fuck it is that makes the sunrise. I don't know. Shit turning. (laughs) I'm not a scientist. But, you know, you've got reasons for stuff, right? Whereas back then, you had a fucking clue about anything. This was the period of enlightenment, so we're mm. starting to discover stuff, but not a lot of monarchs are sort of practising that. Mm-hmm. So it's quite good that he's coming down so hard on this, just burning faith after faith, mm. but weirdly being nice to the faith whilst also acknowledging your system of belief is not a system we should base laws and practice on. Yeah, if you need it to make you feel better, then fair enough. If you need it in your sad little life, go on. <laughs> I, w- I won't burn you at the stake for it. And I won't expel you from my city for it. Yeah. But don't you dare burn any telescopes, because we like them. Please, they're really expensive to make. Really, really expensive. He started talks with Kath II of Russia, mm-hmm. Catherine II, Catherine the Great, I believe, which would later lead to a Russian-Austrian alliance and would drag Joe II into a futile war with the Turks, which produced no meaningful gains for Austria. Amazing. What a great idea. Joe II travelled with only a few servants on hospital. Oh, yeah, this is when he went to meet Kath II. Yeah. Joe too travelled with only a few servants on horseback as Count Falkenstein, which is great. This sounds like a Mel Brooks film. He preferred to stop at a regular inn, forcing Catherine II to convert a wing of her palace, cajoling her gardener to act as an innkeeper. Do you remember in the 90s, Boris Yeltsin, the uh, Russian president, was was like often visibly drunk? (laughs) I like the idea that if, say, John Major or Bill Clinton was inviting him over for a visit, they had to be like... We have to convert a bit of Downing Street to look like a Russian pub. Otherwise, Boris Yeltsin's not going to feel welcome. <laughs> He'll only stare at weather spoons. Um... <laughs> or like if Boris goes to Macron. So Macron's like, oh, we have to turn part of the Palace of Versailles into a Yates's wine bar. <laughs> he sounds great. Saul K. Padover said in the Revolutionary Emperor Joseph II, 1741 1790, he was unable to understand that his philosophical plans for the moulding of humanity could be met with pardonable opposition. Uh, I'm quite drawn to leaders, and uh, this is me talking now. Mm-hmm. This is Aidan McCaffrey yeah. quoting on the Historical Hot and Art podcast, episode five. I'm quite drawn to leaders who have tried to do progressive stuff and utterly failed. <laughs> Partly because there's a left-wing progressive living in the 12th year of a Tory government. Mm-hmm. It's sort of very hard to be optimistic about where we're going. Yeah. And there are people in history who were regarded as failures. And when you actually look at what they tried to do, what they were trying to do was really noble. The just world disagreed with them. So uh, like President Ulysses S. Grant, he was an American president in the 70s, he tried to enforce racial inclusion on the post-slaveholding South, and it totally backfired. And it was partly because occupying the South militarily was 
politically unsustainable because it could only be last as long as progressives were winning elections. And once they didn't win an election, the, the next president could just pull the soldiers out. And it was also because you sort of had to be quite squeaky clean. Like for about 80 years, Reconstruction was taught as being a failure because all the politicians were corrupt, which isn't untrue. There was like lots of deals made, uh, lots of backroom deals at the time. Since the civil rights movement, we now look at it and go, he was using the army to try and force the South to not be racist. (laughs) (laughs) It's simply quite like appealing about that, even though it just didn't work at all. Forcing people at gunpoint to not be a dick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like black people (laughs) with a a mortar cannon pointing at their head. Anyway, the Republicans lost power and the South just went back to being racist assholes for 80 years. Or 150 years up until now. Depending on how you look at it. Mm. Feels like Joseph II is in uh, this camp. He tried to arrange for the rescue of his strange sister and cake PR guru, Mary Antoinette, (gasps) and her husband, Louis XVI, in the event shit hit the fan in France, but he died before he could make the rescue possible. All the good things he did in his life, a lot of them were reversed after his death. The death penalty (laughs) returned... Yeah, the death penalty returned... This is why I was talking about Ulysses S. Grant. Death penalty was returned five years after his death. Right. Landlords eventually reversed Joe's serf policies, and serfdom didn't properly end in Austria until 1848, nearly 60 years after Joe II's death. Oh. Many of his egalitarian tax and legal reforms met with opposition from the nobility of the time and even the peasantry. A major problem was that he tried to change too much in a short space of time and radically alter traditional customs that people from all strata of society relied upon. In his lifetime, the Austrian Netherlands and Hungary revolted against his reforms and he had to sacrifice some of his reform policies or face the dissolution of his empire. But this is all making him sound rubbish, but I do find it refreshing that his failures are that other decades reversed his well-intentioned policies rather than his failures being like, I killed half a million people for power. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. So It's really sad that he tried his best with what he knew. I can't imagine there would be much benefit to him making a serf's life better. He just did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. And that's really sad that people were like, no. <laughs> he died February 20th, 1790, aged 48. He asked that his epitaph read, Here lies a ruler who, despite his best intentions, was unsuccessful in all of his endeavours. Oh, <laughs> so down on himself. I know, he saved the last burn for himself. It's quite a burn <laughs> as well. I fucked up everything. <laughs> everything. Every single goddamn thing. <laughs> it's like if our comedy careers don't take off and we end up putting on our graves, here lies a man who tried comedy, but no one laughed. <laughs> The joke's on me. <laughs> yeah, and the girl on the other side, Catherine Mather. No one laughed at her jokes either. <laughs> we are utter failures. But do listen to our podcast and uh, donate to some money on Kofi. That's ko-fi slash hot not pod. We may be dead, we may be unfunny, but our families need money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a funeral ain't cheap, baby. He has since come to be regarded as a liberal hero. Although there are dissenting voices, the Russian scholar Pavel Mitrofanov reckoned Joseph's ideas were less inspired by the Enlightenment and more by pure power politics, which I think is a bit harsh. Mm. But, you know, purely looking at his foreign policy, there could be something in that. He was never actively in a big war that he instigated, but he was, you know, he was trying to gain power over... Old Freddy too on his deathbed there, wasn't he? He made the old pack with Kath too as well. But that's being in charge, right? You have to do some of that shit. You can't just be laissez-faire 
on that when that is literally your job. That's true, but then the the end point of that argument is like, we've got to be friends with Saudi Arabia because, mm. yeah, they hate women, but we need oil and we need some intel. Yeah. You know, at what point, at what point do you go... No, I have to make a stand here. Not that I'm saying Catherine II was <laughs> Saudi Arabia. In fact, Catherine II is also regarded as one of the big three enlightened uh, monarchs. Good for her. Nazi historians in the 30s tried to make Joseph a precursor of Adolf Hitler, which seems quite ambitious considering their vastly different policies towards the Jews. <laughs> yeah. It's like claiming Donald Trump isn't a fan of fake tan and molestation. <laughs> He's just a real good guy. I think this uh, whole episode on Joe Two of the Holy Roman Empire, I think it's a long-winded way me of of Kath saying, would you bang a well-intentioned failure of a man? Would you bang a lovely bloke who just happens to be appallingly shit at his job? <laughs> you know what? He's endeared himself to me, and I think I would give him one. Yay! Yeah, because, all right, he's not much to look at, but who is? You know, they're doing the best that they can with what they've got at the time. <laughs> I can't imagine there were any Kardashians in the mid-1700s. I think a good heart is very attractive, isn't it? I really thought you were going to start singing there. <laughs> good heart is hard to find. And that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I would. Cool, see you next week, everyone. All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, it's it is difficult finding suitors who aren't absolute shits mm. in history. So particularly with that level of power, exactly, because power corrupts, doesn't it? Mm. And if you've been brought up surrounded by that power and you have no idea i mean you just have to look at our politicians now they have no idea about the real world do they you know they're sort of like don't worry a family of four can live off 50 pounds a week no problem yeah whilst also saying eighty thousand pounds a year is not enough for me to live off yes so <laughs> to have grown up completely removed from reality and still have such a strong moral compass. Good on him. Because at that time, most people's moral compass tended to point towards the musket, and uh, his pointed towards the heart. Yeah, he's made his way onto the Bayeux Taplatter Street. He has made his way into the Bayeux Taplatter Street, along with, so far, Jane Fool, mm-hmm. Lord Byron, mm-hmm. and Judy the Dog. Yeah. <laughs> We've all fucked a dog. We've all fucked a dog. We've all seen an Alsatian in heat and gone, I can't resist mm-hmm. that. Feel that heat on my cock. Oh, God, what are we doing <laughs> on this podcast? Um, I don't know. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to edit it. Uh, you consider it a blessing, Kath. Oh, yeah, this is me done now. <laughs> I say the words. Uh, I've already forgotten what I've said at the beginning of this episode. I'm not going to listen back to it. When we actually start releasing, you're going to be our biggest fan, aren't you, Kath? Because I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I can't believe I said all this horrendous shit a month ago. <laughs> yeah, Kofi, KO, dash FI, slash hot not pod. If you want to give us some money, please do. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we could make this better by, <laughs> by being able to do it more of the time. Who knows? Follow us. Follow us at hot not pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Kofi. That's it for historical hot or not. And remember, it's not what's on the outside but what's on the inside of the coffin that counts. Goodbye. Stay horny. You have been listening to Historical Hot or Not. If you'd like to contribute, we would fucking love that. So you can find us, we're at Coffee. Buy us a coffee. Uh, don't send it to us personally. It'll be cold by then. Uh, but it's co-b.com 
forward slash hot nut pod. Uh, send us some coffee, not real coffee. Send us the money for coffee. Episodes written by Aidan McCaffrey and Catherine Nather. Our wonderful logo is by Richard Todd. And all music by David Eagle. <laughs>